thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Today's podcast is going to be all about things to do with stress relief and ways to help calm our frazzled nervous systems down, which is an all too common scenario for anyone who has to work long and irregular hours. And to talk more about this topic, I have a special guest on the call today, Dr. Damien Christoph, who is joining us from Melbourne in Victoria. Damien is a nutritionist, naturopath and chiropractor and is a highly sought after presenter and speaker in the wellness industry. With over 20 years of experience, Damien's in-depth knowledge of the body, in particular the nervous system and understanding the philosophy behind food as medicine, has him in high demand all around the world. He's also the co-host of two podcasts, The Wellness Guys and 100 Not Out, and regularly presents his Power of Food and Crack Your Stress Code workshops locally in Melbourne, along with being one of the keynote speakers at the annual Wellness Summit. And if all that doesn't keep him busy enough, Damien has also developed his own range of gluten-free breakfast cereals called Forage, which is available in health food stores throughout Australia. So to tell us more about helping to calm our frazzled nervous systems down, I'd like to give a warm Victorian welcome to Damien. Uh, thanks, Audra. What a nice intro. That's lovely. Thanks so much. Um, it is actually sunny here in Victoria at the moment, which is <laughs> which is uh, uh, strange at this time of the year, but it's been a very mild winter. It's lovely, actually. I've got a T-shirt on. Oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually wondering if the words warm and Victoria kind of went hand in hand together. Um, at this time of the year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But as a Queenslander, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist but throwing that one in there. So. <laughs> Yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> but look, it's really good to have you on the uh, podcast today, Damien, because shift workers often feel stressed, and that's before we've even set foot into a stressful workplace because our bodies are biologically stressed from being awake when we should be sleeping and sleeping when we're normally awake. In other words, we're always in that fight or flight stress response mode just from working irregular hours. But I'll let you talk more about this shortly. Um, but to get started, I'd love to hear your story, Damien. So how did you become a nutritionist, a naturopath, and, and now a chiropractor? Uh, thanks, Audra. Uh, look, it is my pleasure to be on this podcast. I was right when you asked me to come on, so I just want everyone to know that um, <laughs> I, I am very excited to be on here too, Audra. Look, I, uh, I got into uh, health and well-being from not really being healthy or well. Uh, at all, and uh, and I was studying to be an accountant, uh, a bit misguided, misdirected, um, and you know came to you know experiment a lot with uh, different types of herbs. Uh, you could say uh, when I was uh, eighteen years old and surfing at uh, various beaches around Victoria, and uh, and those herbs led me to crave certain types of foods, which uh, then made me um, get quite unwell. So. I went to see a naturopath and he said that my diet was poor and, um, and that I should fix it up. So uh, I fixed it up, did what he told me to do, did some detoxes and, um, and you know, apart from being relentlessly um, tired and perpetually um, in a lot of pain and, and just, you know, exhausted all the time, um, you know, the diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome came through and, and, I, and I had to change my way. So I did. I changed it and, uh, and I felt better. So I thought maybe I'll go study to be a naturopath and a nutritionist and, and so I did both, you know, naturopathy and nutrition and, uh, and loved it. But uh, found that along the way um, that people's nervous systems 
uh, were actually quite important. And uh, mm. if and the people that uh, that you know seem to respond the most to any kind of nutritional intervention or any kind of dietary therapy, um, those people that responded best were those people that took care of their nervous system. So, okay. and, and they often came from the chiropractor. So you know whether they were yogis or whether they were exercising a lot or whether they were only seeing the chiropractor, those people that responded the best to my nutritional interventions had been seeing the chiropractor around the corner most of the time. And so I was I was perplexed by that. I couldn't really understand that because for me, chiropractic was about neck pain, back pain, headache. Um, but the application of chiropractic in a wellness setting uh, where people would, you know, have their, their spines checked for subluxation or dysfunction of the nervous system um, and then adjusted accordingly, uh, they, they tend to function better. Uh, and, and we're seeing different benefits from chiropractic than what had been purported to be back pain, neck pain, and and, uh, and headache. And so I became inquisitive and decided that uh, maybe I should go study to be a chiropractor. And so I did that. So um, I studied chiropractic, and in the model that we've got in Australia with chiropractic, which is you know particularly um, influenced by medicine and uh, drug companies and the government with regards to how you should use chiropractic. Um, only 50% of the chiropractors in Australia actually use a model that's kind of fatalistic, uh, where we would actually, wow. you know, see people when they're well, and that's how I practice. I see well people, and uh, and and that gives me a unique opportunity to uh, to help people uh, improve their health and well-being, not only through nutrition and lifestyle and dietary habits, but also from a, a spinal and nerve function neurological health perspective as well. Wow. So you've really, uh, you know, intertwined all of your, you know, past history as a nutritionist and naturopath and, and now in, as a chiropractor as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm often surprised when people go and study something, but then they go and study something totally different and they no longer um, use that part of their life in their mm-hmm. current life. So mm-hmm. they kind of move in stages. For me, it's really important that everything that I do study builds upon the next thing. There was a time when I thought, oh, maybe I'll go to study medicine. Um, but then I realized that the not only was the um, model flawed, that you had to wait for people to be sick before they came to see you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it, it, was at the, it was the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff rather than the, uh, than the fence at the top of the cliff saying, hey, don't jump off, you know, careful, caution, danger ahead. You know, there was, there was, it was just the wrong end of the spectrum for me. So definitely, yes, I could and, and still could go and study to be um, a GP or go into medicine and, you know, go into a specialty somewhere. I'm still young enough. I'm only 40-ish. And, uh, and so I could, I could still do that. But for me, it's really important that, you know, people embrace this whole uh, model of healthcare uh, which is the avoidance of sick care, which is, uh, which is, I suppose, what the government calls healthcare in Australia. I love that. So you're all about prevention. I am. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, I, I love that too. That's um, that's fabulous. Uh, look, you know, uh, Damien, I have to admit, um, you know, I only had my first experience of a chiropractor a few years ago, and that was actually after seeing you um, along with uh, Dr. Lawrence Tam and Dr. Brett Hill at the very first wellness summit on the Gold Coast back in oh think, wow yeah twenty thirteen yeah 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 so yeah, I was wow. I was there I was in I was in the crowd um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah um, you know but for me I guess. Um, chiropractors were well I didn't really know much about what they did and and please don't laugh but the only real exposure to chiropractors I had was actually from watching that American sitcom uh, Two and a Half Men uh, starring... yeah, it doesn't do as many favours does it that show yeah but it was it was hilarious with um, you know Charlie Sheen in it and he had his brother I think his name uh, Alan I think was a chiropractor yeah, Alan. from memory yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, <laughs> it was a hilarious show. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I guess all jokes aside, um, I guess could you explain to our listeners who are not familiar with you know the, uh, of what a chiropractor does and your profession um, and the actual profe- profession um, yeah, and, and sure. what you're doing to help restore their nervous systems and general health and well-being. Yeah, oh, sure. It's taken like it, chiropractic's had such a a, a twisted kind of uh, lifespan. Um, you know, back in the 1890s when the chiropractic was first founded, and so was osteopathy. Osteopathy and chiropractic, you know, were started by two two guys. Um, osteopathy was started by Andrew Taylor Still, and chiropractic was founded by a guy D.D. D. Palmer. And essentially, they lived almost in the same street, um, and they just they they um, they came up with models to mobilize the spine um but for different reasons so chiropractors at that point in time were kind of the the thing that we thought we could do uh was cure deafness um and osteopathy was kind of more concerned with cerebral spinal fluid flow and blood flow so they felt that they could make the blood flow better in the body and the and Mm -hmm. the fluid in the spine flow better um chiropractors were concerned with deafness uh, and the reason was that Didi Palmer um, gave his first adjustment to a janitor um, who was deaf and his hearing was restored. And so they thought that as a result of that, that the magic bullet had been found for the cure for deafness. And, uh, and so they toured around America uh, with this chiropractic thing on a wagon and said, uh, we found the cure for deafness. And millions of people over the course of months and months and months lined up for their adjustments um, on a regular basis to get um, their deafness cured. But no one else had their deafness cured. No one, and uh, and so it was very perplexing for DD. But people reporting decreased headache or decreased back pain or improvement in asthma symptoms or you know things where things were going wrong, you know incontinence or um, infertility. All these sorts of things were being improved. And look, I'm speaking obviously from anecdote, but back mm-hmm. in this in the books that DD Palmer wrote, and he wrote, you know volumes and volumes and volumes of books which are known today as the green books um, he wrote all these volumes of books and he describes all of the changes that his patients were experiencing um, off the back of them originally coming to cure deafness so all of the exploration then from dd and then to his son bj um, bj palmer was all about the understanding of the application of this adjustment and then how that influenced the body because people were experiencing things that we didn't think that they would experience Uh, and so uh, you know from the early 1900s when people when the medicos started to call us quacks um, even though quacks used to refer to people who used to prescribe um you know heavy metals for you know to people to and if they survived mercury poisoning then they were obviously not going to be sick anymore um that was what a quack was they started to call us quacks uh, but our whole direction has been in the exploration of how that influences the nervous system so much so that now all of our research um done out of new zealand or out of the united states or out of the united kingdom or france uh norway um Everywhere but Australia uh, have we got chiropractic research going on, really. There's a little bit of research happening in Australia, but we don't receive any funding from the government. But in in um, And, of course, we're a non-drug profession, so we don't have any of that. Everything yeah. is now focused on how we affect the nervous system. And it kind of seems like a strange thing that an adjustment to the spine or a movement of the bones in the spine could affect the nervous system. But... When you consider that the nerves uh, supply everything within the body, any kind of movement is registered in the brain. Um, it, it actually makes a lot of sense, particularly for us who, where we study the nervous system. All of our research shows us that there is a neurological impact that's permanent 
as a result of having a chiropractic adjustment. And and that excites us no end because, you know, whilst it can what can heal can harm, what we find with chiropractic is it is one of the safest professions, particularly manual therapies um, on the planet. And uh, and the safety record is is outstandingly good. Uh, and at the same time, the um, the um, happiness or the satisfaction rate uh, with our patients is is unbelievably high. So it's up around eighty percent, uh, whereas medicine wow. operates at around about fifty percent. Mm. And so you know we are a very safe uh, profession, uh, despite what you might see on YouTube uh, or what you might see in the media. Uh, we are you know very safe, and you can look at the safety data on, on what we do do, and and it is outstanding. So we and and the, and the impact for the patient or for the person who attends chiropractic is very unique. It's not just, um, you know, what's shown in, in, the, in the research that says, yes, we're good for back pain, neck pain and headache, uh, which we are, uh, but people experience all kinds of different benefits too, including improved sleep or reduction in stress. Mm, okay, well, now you've got my attention when you say the word sleep. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So how, okay, well, how, how does it help somebody that might be sleep deprived as in, you know, a shift worker? Well, there's probably a number of different ways. Um, one could be from a comfort perspective. So a lot of people toss and turn at night because mm. they've got back issues yep. or they've got yep. neck issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so not only from a selection of an appropriate bedding or um, or pillow perspective, which chiropractors can help you with, um, but the movement, appropriate movement of the spine, um, stretches, exercises, etc., that can assist in just feeling more comfortable. Um, mm, yep. But what's interesting, what's been um, shown in the research in New Zealand is that um, the effect of the chiropractic adjustment um, and even um, researchers coming out of the United States um, and even Canada are talking about the effect of the chiropractic adjustment on, on the stress response. And so when you downregulate a stress response, whether it be through movement, exercise, acupuncture, yoga or chiropractic, for example, um, the ability to relax is, is far greater. Uh, I, I don't know truly yet at this point in time whether or not the research has caught up with what we're finding in practice, uh, but we do see that people start to um, sleep better as a result in, in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, people start to sleep better as a result of getting chiropractic adjustments or acupuncture or exercise. But, um, you know, as, as part of the strategies that I uh, recommend for people to help them with their sleep, um, improvement of the nerve function um, is paramount and, uh, and and exercise is one of those and and from what I've found in practice chiropractic is another one mm. well I can definitely relate to the neck pain uh, Damien you know and and actually keeping me awake or finding it really hard to get comfortable as well and obviously that sort of interferes you know with that ability to, to sleep and fall asleep quickly which is kind of what we want to do do you yeah. you kind of mentioned something about pillows and that do you recommend a particular shaped pillow for somebody or are we all different well it's interesting that's a great question audrey because people uh, have always thought that they've got to sleep on their side or they've yeah. got to sleep on their yep. back or they yep. can't sleep on their tummy uh, but the reality is is that newborn babies you know i know that this will upset people when i say this but uh, newborn babies their preference is to sleep on their tummy um and in australia we uh, we started a campaign many years ago in the in the hope to prevent southern infant death syndrome sids um a, a program called back to sleep and so we um encourage our babies to sleep on their backs um, that's led to a number of different health problems um, as well in that you know flat head 
uh, with with children. Um, oh, wow. You know, okay. Staying, yes, it's a thing called plagiocephaly uh, where their head uh, becomes flattened and so they can't literally, they literally can't turn their head to the left or their right because they've got a flat spot in their head. Um, and oh. so we can get a flat side of the head, flat uh, back of the head. Um, they don't get that when they sleep on their tummy. Um, and so... It primarily, like from a primal perspective, or a um, you know what Lawrence Tam likes to call it a lizard brain perspective, it's natural for us to sleep on our tummy. Um, there's a, a, an amazing um, chiropractic um, neurologist researcher, Michael Hall, who talks about the full range of motion in the neck being maintained by those people who sleep on their tummy. Um, and part of that reason is that if you're sleeping on your chest or on your tummy, you've actually got to turn your head either left or right so that you're not yep. actually face down on the pillow. Mm-hmm. And so you actually get a passive stretch of your neck muscles while you're sleeping on your tummy as opposed to sleeping on your head where your head's just, you know, facing straight up or sleeping on your side where, you you know, you're facing straight ahead um, and you're resting on your side, which, of course, for some people with a hard bed, that's going to give them pain in their shoulders. They, you know, they will toss and turn. But sleeping on your tummy is actually quite a natural way to sleep. So depending on the way you prefer to sleep will determine the sort of pillow that you should get. So, um, And also, you know, if, if you only sleep on your back, if that's your preference, then you want to get a contoured pillow. Um, if you sleep on your side, then you want to get a standard sort of, um, you know, dome-shaped kind of pillow uh, that, that elevates your head to... Uh, make sure that your neck is in line with your spine um, and that your head doesn't drop down or go too high so that you're not actually um, creating tension in the spine while you're sleeping. And then if you're sleeping on your tummy, you want the flattest possible pillow or no mm. at all. So, yeah. you know, it just depends on how you prefer to sleep. But a lot of that's guided by the firmness of your bed as well. A lot of people with a really firm bed will sleep better um you know, on their tummy than if they've got a really soft bed, uh, they might prefer to sleep more on their back or on their side. So it, it comes a lot to to their sleeping preferences too. Mm, wow. I think I, my whole bedroom needs an overhaul after talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we get a new mattress, a new pillow, and I'm going to try the old um, sleeping on the tummy technique tonight. So, yeah, that was, that was really interesting. It takes time, Audra. Don't, mm. uh, don't expect it to feel comfortable immediately. But, yeah. Um, um, I often find myself waking up in the morning and I've found my, you know, I'm sleeping on my tummy. And the part of the reason is I've got a very uh, flat pillow. I use a water pillow. So I've got a, a bladder inside the pillow um, that's filled with water. So it's got a nice cushion top and with a, okay. a water, water insert. And that insert molds to the shape of my head as I roll around through the night. So it doesn't make any splashing noises or bubbling noises, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I, I could sleep in any position. I could sleep on my side, my back, or my tummy uh, without any discomfort. And, and I sleep so much better as a result of doing that and, and being okay with sleeping on my tummy. Mm. Fantastic. Well, yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, just a, a um, I guess a little slightly different change of tact. Um, could you recommend anything um, for our listeners, Damien, that um, you know during their, their work environment when they're all of a sudden feeling that stress and anxiety at work? You know, for example, you do recommend like a particular breathing technique or something to somebody to help. You know, if they're they're going through that moment of I'm just feeling so anxious and stressed, what do I do? Yeah, look, anxiety and stress is such a terrible place to be, yeah. and. You know, when we talk about cracking your stress code, you know that seminar that I do, Audra, yep. Yep. with regards to you know management and the effective effective strategies you can employ to decrease the effect of stress on your body. Often people will feel overwhelmed because there's so many things to do. Um, 
And, you know, we've got emails coming. We've got our boss asking us to do different things. We've got family issues. We've got financial issues. We've got food issues. We've got health issues. You know, most of what we're doing is running away from a problem. Um, and so we're always in that ignited fight or flight response. Mm, yeah. If you're a shift worker, then, of course, you've got that, you know, magnified again. Um, so the key thing for all of us who are experiencing anxiety um, before it moves into depression is to get moving. Like we've, we've really got to get up, get out of our seat, get moving, stretch. And, um, and and we need to employ strategies to take us out of what's called sympathetic dominance. And and shift workers are perpetually in this state of sympathetic dominance where their sympathetic yeah. nervous system is always engaged. Um, yeah. and, and, and the response to that long-term is chronic fatigue and burnout um, with withdrawal and depression. But in the lead up to that, there's a lot of unhealthful things that take place, such as habits around caffeine, habits around cigarette smoking, habits around food, habits around um, um, sedentary lifestyle, all of those sorts of things. So movement's so important. Uh, so, so getting up, having a bit of a walk around the office or having a bit of a walk around the workspace. Could be jogging on the spot. Could be doing some push-ups. You could do some pull-ups if you're, if you're strong enough. It could be doing sit-ups. But one of the greatest things to do is to lie down on a foam roller with a foam roller um, on the ground and it, it, it running long ways along your back. Yep, yep. Um, with your arms stretched out as if you were in a crucifix sort of, um, you know, design, that your spine will be being supported by the foam roller and your chest muscles will be being um, stretched out which allows you to breathe properly and uh, and that in itself assists in the remo- removal or the uh, i suppose the movement away from um, sympathetic dominance so the other thing you can do is, is wear red glasses so you can wear red framed or red lens glasses and that changes the wavelengths that enter through our eyes so if you've got to always deal with um, artificial light um, and computer screens, which are obviously throwing a blue light out, your nervous system's continually, perpetually charged up. Uh, and so wearing red lensed glasses, like the ones that Bono wears, for example, when he's singing with mm-hmm. you two, those sorts, <laughs> yeah. of, those sorts of glasses, they down-regulate the wavelength um, coming into your eyes and it's a slower wavelength and that's much more calming to the brain. So you could wear those while you're working and that will also um, keep your nervous system at a, at a more even-keeled pace. But I love to use magnesium too. Magnesium and B vitamins are really great from a nutritional perspective to assist people in managing their stress too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with the magnesium, definitely. Actually, yeah. my husband has one of those glasses that you were talking about. He wears them just before bed, but I never thought about wearing them in the workplace. Um, yeah. They're so. cool. They're, they're <laughs> so cool. They look like Ray-Bans. Uh, so, you know, people are going to go, wow, what are your red glasses yeah. all You know, just chilling out. So <laughs> I can just imagine if I tell my ex-workmates at the airport to wear all these glasses and everyone that walks through the front door of the airport looking at the checking counters and all these staff are wearing these orange glasses, <laughs> it would look hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, it may be. It may, look, there could be um, the potential to have red contact lenses on or something, you know, so that you're actually changing uh, the view. Oh. Uh, too. oh gosh now we're yeah really thinking outside the square so yeah. just, put, just putting your nutritionist hat back on now um uh damien i just want your take on the i guess a little bit the global global obesity epidemic because there's a world you know that seems to be focused on taking photos of what we're eating right now green yeah. smoothies and fancy flowers you know what what do you think that's going wrong? Because we just keep getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, you I forgot to mention actually at the beginning of your of this um, intro that you used to have a TV show called Downsize Me in New Zealand. Yeah. So what are we doing wrong? I think what we're doing wrong is trying to do everything too quick. 
um, I, you know, I, I think I, I struggle the most uh, with people trying to um, speed things up. So there's not that time for preparation. There's not that time for enjoyment. There's not that time for conversation. So in the speed and the haste of everything, uh, the quicker we can eat, the quicker we can access something, um, the, the less time it takes to actually uh, give ourselves a feed. Um, which means that we've got more time to do other things we want to do. So it used to be a priority that we'd sit down and we'd enjoy a meal. It used to be a priority that we'd uh, create a meal together um, as, a, as a family or as, as a group of friends. But that's no longer the case. It's on the run. People are eating while they're driving. People are eating, mm, yeah. um, you know, quick meals so they can just get on with what they're doing. They Instead of allocating themselves an hour or two for lunch, they might take 15 minutes and do it at their desk and still answer emails. Um, so there's there's that lack of consciousness around what really needs to happen. It's more than just putting food in your body. We literally have to shift our nervous system into a parasympathetic response. We, we need to move out of our sympathetic dominance into a parasympathetic response, which allows us to digest and rest and repair. Mm. Um, so cultures around the world that take a siesta in the middle of the day are doing it right. You know, they eat. Then they go and have a little sleep. So they start to digest all their food, they absorb it, they they utilize it, they repair, and they're repairing a couple of times a day. Whereas in the Western world, particularly you know here in Australia, where there's this um, expectation that we answer emails immediately. So as soon as an email comes through, we're waiting for the response. So we're literally trying to have 20 or 30 different conversations going on at any one point in time. An email used to be... Um, something you'd send to somebody and you'd wait for a response at some time. But now the emails are sent with urgency and there's text messages and there's messaging services. And so uh, we, everything's being sped up and we're trying to do way more work than what we ever have done before in the past. And we're probably becoming less and less productive um, with less and less people in the workplace trying to achieve uh, more and more things. It's, it's, and I think that that's part of our problem is the speed at which we try to feed ourselves as opposed to nourish our bodies. Mm, and um, information overload and, yeah, just trying to do 50 things at once. Yeah. Good, yeah. Good point. Good point. So um, as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, you regularly hold workshops in Melbourne, uh, one called uh, The Power of Food and the other Crack Your Stress Code. Can you tell uh, our listeners more about these events, Damien, because you're in Melbourne, so I'm sure I've got plenty of Melbourneian shift workers listening right now <laughs> that might be interested in popping down and seeing you at these events. Yeah, well, hopefully you're not working at the times when I'm yeah, doing these events. That's <laughs> that could be yeah, the struggle. You got us there, yep. <laughs> I'm just about to put them online so that people, particularly shift workers, okay. be able to watch them online um, in their own time, which would be great. So, yeah. Crack Your Stress Code is a is a talk that I love to to deliver, and it explores the effect of stress on your genes and your DNA. Um, and then it talks about strategies as as to what the science um, shows us. Uh, will decrease the effect of stress on your body. So it's not about the removal of stress from your life. It's the removal of the effect of stress from your life. So, um, you know, we have to be realistic here and that, you know, we've set ourselves up into environments that uh, are in fact stressful and we just mm. need to now acknowledge, yes, the stress is there and two, work out ways in which we can decrease the effect of that stress in our body. So it means employing different lifestyle strategies. So that's what Craig's Stress Code goes through. Really engaging, it goes for about 60 to 90 minutes. Um, the other talk, which is you know, quite easily my favourite talk, and I've delivered this talk, you know, hundreds of times now, uh, is the Power of Food talk, and and that is a talk that explores kind of where we've come from with regards to understanding of food, um, why we're still in trouble with food, mm. um, and then it gives a really nice balanced approach to a, a model of uh, food selection and portion control. 
that allows us to really eat awesome meals and, uh, and, and really generous portion sizes and still get an unbelievable health result. That particular talk uh, helps people you know, around the globe, uh, it, whether to lose weight or to get their cholesterol under control, their diabetes under control. That particular talk is designed around helping people get more energy from their food without eating more calories. So uh, we explore the difference between fuel and energy uh, and we explore, um, I suppose, where science could be misleading us with regards to what's appropriate to eat and what's not appropriate to eat. And then we look at different myths like paleo and uh, well, fads, I shouldn't say myths, but fads like paleo and uh, vegan and vegetarianism and all those things that are very, very extreme ends of the spectrum of a healthy eating program. Mm. You mentioned the word energy in there, so you caught my attention again. (laughs) (laughs) Poor sleep-deprived shift workers, we're definitely, you know, the energy is lacking enormously. And so that that sounds fascinating. Uh, Damien, that one, I think, yeah. We get misled a little bit because we're told that we need to eat food with energy in it. Um, Mm. And so we think that by eating food um, that, and particularly this is a hangover from the 80s where they said the carbohydrates gives us energy. Yeah. Really, when fuel goes into the body, it needs to be converted to energy. It's like petrol. You know, if petrol goes into a car, unless the engine's working, it can't be converted to energy. Fuel's only potential energy uh, once it's converted. It's, it's got to be used. And so we have to use our food, uh, which is our fuel, and then convert that into an energy source, uh, which allows us to, uh, to exist and go really well. But our fatigue is directly proportional to the amount of fuel we put into our body. So our fatigue, if we've, if we've got high levels of fatigue, it's highly likely that we're putting in too much fuel into our body um, as opposed to not enough fuel. Uh, and, and that's a really interesting thing to look at. Mm, overburdening the system. Yeah, and you know, and, and, and setting up hormone responses that cause us to store food uh, or fuel um, in other areas of our body that we may find unsightly or displeasing um, or upsetting, you know, particularly with, uh, with all of this push at the moment from a social media perspective to be taking selfies in bikinis and, oh, yeah. you know, and so on. Oh, yeah. You know, it's amazing. I'm, I'm hearing you. <laughs> I'm hearing you with that one. Oh, yeah. great. So, look, we're about to wrap up the interview, but and one of the things um, that I like to ask each of my guests is what their favourite holiday destination is. Um, but because... I know you're about to head on a plane and head to Greece in a matter of days. I'm not going to ask you that question, but because you're a nutritionist and a naturopath, I'd actually love to know what your all-time favorite cafe or restaurant is and why. Ah, nice. Well, I have a lot of romance around food, to be honest with you, Audra. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, um, the my favorite cafes aren't necessarily the healthiest ones. Oh, you heard that first. Yeah, wow. and, yeah and I'm really happy to say that because yeah. I always promote that people should do 80-20. I don't think yeah. people should be so hardcore that they put so much pressure on themselves that they develop orthorexia. Oh, you know, totally. I think that yep. uh, we, we really want to um, focus on the enjoyment of food. And one of the things that we've found, Marcus and I have found, um, in doing the podcast 100 Not Out is, uh, which I know you will have at least listened to one of those episodes, Audra. <laughs> many, um, many, many. We... Uh, We've explored this aging phenomenon uh, where people with longevity skills, in other words, they, they successfully age well. Um, we've, we've found that food has very little to do with longevity. Uh, what does have a lot to do with is the ability to decrease the risk of disease and uh, the ability to enjoy your life. Uh, so you know, very, very important points, but eating you know, kale smoothies and um, 
cheap puddings and uh, and and all of that all of that stuff. You know, having coconut oil that doesn't necessarily confer to you unbelievable health that will leave you living for a hundred years. Like that's that's not the case. In fact, the enjoyment and the ceremony and the romance around food is probably more likely to impact you positively. Um, than anything else that we could do from a nutritional perspective. So I love, I, I went on a date to Attica, uh, which is rated, I think, one or two in Australia as uh, the best restaurants in Australia. Wow. And I went, I went there with Amber um, a couple of years ago, and that still, for me, is the most outstanding meal that I've ever had in my life. And, uh, and it, was, it was amazing. So I don't know if I'll ever get to do fine dining like that again. Um, I don't know if I want to spend $600 on a meal again, but Ooh. it was, for me, <laughs> An amazing experience. Yeah. So, for, you know, but on a on a just a, on a regular basis, um, I like to head down to my local cafes, um, get a nice coffee, sit there, have a little meal with uh, friends or family, and and just really enjoy it. I mean, there's so many places that I could promote, um, but it, for for what I look for, it's a great meal in an ability with an ability to sit there and just enjoy it with my friends my family my wife um and uh and and share because the food always tastes better when you're with great company Mm. fabulous yeah all about the social aspect to it way more like you know Mm. there's there's places where we go where you get an opportunity to sit at a communal table and you get to meet people um, and I really, I like that. Sometimes mm. I like to just go sit in the corner with somebody and, you know, and just eat our meal and have a bit of a chat. And, and I really enjoy that as well. But for me, um, the food is is important because I like to eat really healthy food, but it's somewhat superfluous uh, when you've got great company. Mm. Yeah, fabulous. Actually, there's a new um, one, you know, Lola Berry's The Happy Place. Have you been yeah. to that yet? That well, I'm going good. to that tonight for the opening. So, oh. Yeah. So, oh, is that right? Wow, yeah. okay. So the, the grand, it opened officially two days ago, but the grand opening um, is tonight. And so I'll be at that with Lola um, and, and I'm looking forward to that. But Lola didn't put forage porridge in there and forage, so I'm disappointed she hasn't done that. But uh, but I, lo- I love everything that Lola does anyway, so I'm going to go to that and, and support that particular place. Oh, I'm sure she'll eventually get your muesli forage in there at some point. (laughs) We need a bit of pressure, pressure from the audience. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll have to get all these people coming in and demanding it. That's right. (laughs) Well, this has been fabulous, Damien. Um, So how can people find you if they're wanting to learn more about your workshops and your chiropractic practice in Melbourne? Thanks, Audra. The best thing to do would be go to damienchristoff.com. All the links to my websites are there. So you can go to Vita um, through there. You can go to Forage through there. You can go to the Wellness Couch through there. Uh, but if you go to Damien Christoph, that's D-A-M-I-A-N-K-R-I-S-T-O-F.com. Um, you can go to Facebook, like me on there. Uh, so there's the Facebook page there. Um, if you want to be my friend, I'm happy to have more friends. Uh, so <laughs> always happy for all those sorts of things. I'm very social and I, I like to engage and communicate. So if you send me requests for conversation, then usually I'll engage in that. So, um, you know, th- that's the best way to get me, social media or my website, damienchristoph.com. Awesome. We'll get ready to be inundated with lots more friends. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Damien. It's been a real treat having you on the show. And I know you're in the midst of packing your bags to head over to Greece shortly uh, with your fellow 100 Not Out co-host, Marcus Pierce. So I do appreciate the time that you've taken to squeeze me into your busy schedule. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on your on your podcast, Audrey. It's uh, 
it's it's a great thing. It's great that you're doing this for shift workers because I mean everybody needs information, but uh, shift workers kind of get left in the dark a bit, don't they? We sure do. <laughs> we sure do. Well, that's it for today's edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit. And you can also leave us a five-star rating in the iTunes store, which will help me to spread the healthy shift worker message to shift workers and organizations all around the world if you'd like to access uh, more free resources including my newsletter just visit healthyshiftworker.com and enter your name and email address thanks so much for tuning in and listening until next time may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24 7 This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.